Come on, let's welcome the chapel in Richmond. All the men and women in Chesterfield County Jail, we love you. We love you. Glad to have you with us. You can say good morning to somebody and you can be seated. Well, we are in the last week of our series on Joshua. I'll tell you more about that. Start a brand new series next weekend. And be an exciting next weekend. We got child dedication. If you haven't been a part of that, sign your kids up. It'll be a great uh, holiday weekend. But um, want to look in the camera as always. Say good morning to everybody online. And of course, love what God's doing at the chapel in Richmond, Scott's edition. The way we're growing, the way God's blessing the ministry there. Love you guys. Have you in my heart? Pray for you every day. And of course, the men and women in Chesterfield County Jail. You are not. Um, you're not a project to us. You're our people. And uh, in fact. If you got to see that video, um, it's one of my favorite things that happened is Norm, who's been a small group leader uh, for our church, his son, Norm, was baptized in the prison and to see one generation and the next generation loving, treasuring, and trusting Jesus. And now both part of Sunday morning after the 1115 service, leading a small group of like 30 or 40 people that used to be in Chesterfield County Jail. How many know to God be the glory? Great things he has done. So thankful for Joel Hughes and Tri Hope and incredible leaders. And I want to tell you about just two things before I get going. And Melissa, stay with me because when I'm done, then we'll I'll let you go. But uh, I want to just um, uh, make sure you know, have this on your calendar. We're doing something a little different this year. And that is Christmas Eve services are going to start Sunday morning before Christmas Eve. Does that make sense? And so, so we're going to have different service times and we have 10 options to choose from. And RSVP goes live on uh, Sunday or on uh, December 1st, RSVPs go live. And when you RSVP, what it does is it allows us to do two things, to know which services to emphasize and to know if we need to add a service. Okay. So we think we've added enough services, but when you RSVP, it just helps us make space and realize if we need to add an 11th service. And so uh, we, I just wanted you to note that it starts on the weekend before. We know a lot of people travel and have never been able to be a part of a chapel uh, Christmas Eve. So we're going to start them on the Sunday before we'll do four that day and at unique times. And really the desire is to just make a whole week of worshiping God. And, and then the real practical thing was just let you know, we were trying to do enough Christmas Eve services during the week and it became impossible. I was afraid all the band would quit. So we said, we better start the weekend before. So just wanted you to be a part of that. I'm telling you, they just filmed a bunch of the music yesterday. It, I, I'm tell, I'm, I've never been this excited about a Christmas service. I mean, the music, it, there's a funny element. It's going to be really, really good. You're going to want to invite your family members and friends to be with you for uh, for Christmas at the chapel. So you want to be a part of that. Also, if you got this little card, like Emma said, would you take this out? And if you didn't get this card, just hold your hand up real high. we got a couple hosts in the back. They'll get, i got a couple over here, a couple over just hold up real high. We'll get this card to you over here. Great. Um, we're going to get these cards to you. So we do this thing every um, Christmas where we realize that we need to do more than just live for success. We need to live for significance. And, and so we have a Christmas mission, of course, our next building expansion. Thank you for all of you that are part of that. And so excited about it moving forward. We're right in the final stages of permitting and ordering steel and all that kind of stuff. So exciting things ahead for this next year. But also our prison ministry that we give God glory. We want to resource them in a brand new way, $50,000. And then I got to tell you about this new thing that just happened called the chapel in Espanol. That means the chapel in Spanish. 
And uh, this wasn't even our idea, okay? Just God had sent an incredible campus pastor and his family whose, whose children were going to our youth ministry. And he was talking to me about how their grown kids loved English-speaking worship, but yet the, the adults love Spanish-speaking. What could we do together? And he asked if we had some space for them to, to rent our building on Sunday morning. And I looked around and realized we didn't. And God opened up this incredible space just a mile from here, just a mile down the road, an incredible partnership. And over the last two months, I can't even believe to, to announce this, that the chapel in 2023 will be launching our, our, our fourth campus. Come on, somebody, the chapel in Spanish. And... Uh, it's incredible. We have big dreams for this. I'm telling you, I have I have such big... A few weeks ago, we were there. I'm not even going to tell you where it is because I don't want you to go yet. But uh, uh, I was there on a Sunday morning between services checking out their worship. And Pastor Joel was telling me, we need to go back for 11.15 service. And I said, I don't want to. I want to stay here. And he said, well, you don't understand what they're doing. And I said, I know, but I like it. And... Uh, and I just believe, I'm just so fired up about this. I'm so fired up about us being able to partner with an incredible pastoral couple that are seasoned in ministry, this core group, and to be able to reach our whole community, the Spanish-speaking portion. So we'll have Sunday mornings in Spanish, 11 a.m. We'll give you the location in the new year, and then they'll partner with us for all kinds of outreaches and ministries in this year. And I'm believing in 2023, this wasn't a dream. We didn't think it up. This wasn't a whiteboard strategy. This was God bringing the right people at the right place in the right time to make a difference. And I believe in 2023 that we're going to see God do incredible things in the Spanish speaking community in Richmond, Virginia. And we get to be a part of that. And so here, I just want to let you know, I told him, yes, I, we committed $50,000 to get this going. And uh, if you don't give it, Katie's going to have to. So if you would help us out, be a part of that Christmas mission, $50,000 to get that ministry launched this year. And uh, I'm, I can hardly believe what the Lord is doing. Hey, I can hardly believe what the Lord, I, I can hardly believe what the Lord is doing. To God be the glory. We're thankful and appreciative. And I never ask you what to give. I'm just asking you to ask God what to give. So year-end, the goal is year-end offering to, to really lay aside resources to let us accomplish some of these ministry initiatives as we move into the new year. So I'm not going to ask you for a specific amount. I mean, I listed some amounts on the card. And, uh, but, but maybe one of you like, I can do this whole amount. That'd be great. Maybe you're sitting next to somebody and you feel like you should do that. Just tell them that. And... Uh, but we're not going to ask. You're just going to ask the Lord. You're a generous church. and God's going to do great things. Let me pray and stop this. Okay, ready, God? We open our hearts to your word. Would you speak to us today? We've gathered to hear from you. And so open our minds to be focused, our hearts to be receptive. You know every need in this room, God. You know every need in Scott's edition. You know every need in the jail, God. And we just, we're trusting you. Your word is alive and active and sharper than any double-edged sword. So speak to us, we pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said together, amen. Turn to the person next to you and tell them it's Thanksgiving this week. Come on, tell them that. Just so you know. Well, we're in uh, the final message of a series called Forward, where we're going through the book of Joshua. And the book of Joshua is God leading his people into a new land. And We've been learning how God leads us into a new future and new potential. We come to the very uh, last chapter of the book of Joshua. The people have, for the most part, occupied the land. And Joshua is about ready to retire, okay? 
He's about ready to hand over his leadership. And, and, and the nation of Israel has been in the land quite a while. The Bible says a long time had passed and the Lord had given Israel rest from all their enemies. And so, so they've, they've, they're no longer at war. They're settled in the land and they've accomplished so much. We've seen that over the past few weeks. What a great message last week about being wholehearted. And, and Joshua tells us his age. He says, by then Joshua was a what? Come on, a what? He's not just an old man. How many know he's a, come on, he's a very old man. And uh, he's about to speak some wisdom to them. Let me just say this to everybody who's younger here today. It, it, is, uh, it is a principle of scripture that the younger ought to learn from the older. I, I'm going to just help you out with something. Your friends that are in your same season of life, they don't really know anything more than you. But here's the problem. They think they do. And so they speak with certainty to things they ought not. I'm just saying you need to find somebody who's old. In fact, you might need to find somebody who's very old. Just tell them after service. Just look around and say, you pastor said to find someone very old and you fit that category. <laughs> they won't mind. And so find someone with gray hair or even someone who's covering it up with product and... Joshua's old, but he's got something to say because he's walked with God a long time and he wants to be, give a challenge to the people. And he, So he gets together all the elders of Israel and he gives this, this command, fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness is the word. With all faithfulness, in fact, some translations use the word sincerity. And this is a, a, an ancient pottery term. It means when you take pottery and you'd heat it up in the fire, if it ever had a crack in it, some, some people would wax over the crack as a way of covering the crack and then sell it in the marketplace. But if there was a piece of pottery that had no crack in it, it would be marked sincera, meaning sincere, but sincera, which meant without wax or without crack, or with whole, uh, in, uh, integrous, whole, right. And that's exactly what God calls us to be, is people that aren't serving God kind of divided and cracked, and I'm a little bit here, a little bit there, a little bit everywhere, but people who faithful. How many know God wants all of our hearts, right? So he says, serve them sincerely, wholeheartedly. And he says, here's what's going to happen. You're surrounded by other nations that have other gods. There are temptations to worship those other gods. So I want you to throw away the gods that your ancestors worshiped beyond the river and in Egypt. And I want you to be a people who, who serve the Lord. What he's telling Joshua is the temptation oftentimes is not to completely reject God, but just to add on to God the things around us. I think this is exactly where we live in our world, right? I'm, I'm going to have a little bit of this religion, a little bit of that religion, a little bit of, I'm going to kind of mix it together and believe what I want, I want to believe. I, the Bible verses I like, I like. The Bible verses I don't were for a, a different culture. You know, I, I'm going to find a way around. How many know we need to be people that are wholehearted, right? He says, resist the temptation to worship the gods around us. And look at these incredible words. He says, choose for yourself this day whom you will serve. Whether you're going to serve the gods of your ancestors that they serve beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you're living. I love these words. But as for me, my household, we will serve the Lord. Come on, let's say that together. But as for me and my, we will serve the Lord. So Joshua says to them, there are temptations all around us to serve all kinds of different things. But I'm asking you today to determine what direction you're going to live in to make a choice. 
to decide where you're going to place your focus and your energy and your direction. And he says, you're living in a land with all kinds of temptations and difficulties and obstacles and desires to add a little bit of this and a little bit of that. But I'm looking for a wholehearted people. I'm looking for a devoted people. I'm looking for a a committed people. I'm looking for a people that are wholeheartedly committed to the Lord. I think in our culture, it's going to make it increasingly hard to stand in the middle. I think maybe 100 years ago, there was a lot of of, uh, Christianity in our culture. I think there's more and more values and thinking that are dividing the culture a little bit. And I believe in the next 20 years, we're going to have to choose whether or not we're going to stand with the Lord or whether or not we're going to stand with the world around us. I've been praying that the chapel would be filled with people from every generation that would wholeheartedly say, I know the culture's doing this, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I don't need a politician to tell me. I don't need, a, I don't need an exit poll to tell me. I don't, I don't need a culture around me. I don't care what the schools, what the people, what the media. What, I, I'm just going to serve the Lord. And Joshua stands up at the end of his ministry and he says, listen, the, I know you've conquered the nations around you, but be very careful if the greatest battle isn't the nations around you, but the battle within you. For the gods of the nations around you to creep into your soul where a thousand other voices uh, demand your loyalty. But only the Lord is the one who who we should faithfully follow. Man, I think that's so true, Chapel. In our life, it isn't oftentimes the obvious things that that grip us, but the subtle, incremental uh, 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 sort of compromises in our life that pull us away. And, and literally, Joshua says, I want you not just to get rid of the idols. Come on, throw away. Where are the people that you love to throw some stuff away? Come on. My wife likes to save everything. Come on, I'm a throw away guy. Yeah, just let's get a dumpster. I love an empty room. Come on. But my mom gave me that. Well, you know what? It's terrible. So Joshua says it's time to clean out the idols and the wrong thinking and follow me. You say, Pastor, what's an idol? Well, an idol could be something as simple as good things that are turned into God things that become bad things, right? So it's not that there's anything wrong with that. It's just, it's just an over-obsession with that becomes a, a problem. That, that means that we could have a good hobby that's a good distraction, it's helpful for us. But how many know a good hobby can become a consuming thing that, that ultimately, and anything in our life can, can be good things that become God things, that they can become bad things. John Piper says the challenge in life is oftentimes not poison, but apple pie, right? It's, it's not the obvious things that we know to stay away from, but sometimes it's the subtle incremental things that creep into our lives. And Joshua, as a very old man, stands before the nation of Israel and says, don't you dare get distracted and get lured in and get pulled back into the Amorites and the Jebusites and the Hittites all around. You're like, no, 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 you are a people that were called out for something better, right? And God has more for you. And he calls them against divided loyalty and like we heard last week, to wholehearted service of the Lord. And he reminds them how they can serve him. He says, let me just remind you in the chapter before this that you yourself should have seen everything God's done for you. All that he's done to these nations for your sake, it was the Lord your God who fought for you. I love, I love that he's reminding them that they didn't do it themselves. Hey, I've come this morning to remind us that, that God has done some things in your life that if we're not careful, we'll think we have done them. He says, you remember how God delivered you from Egypt and the same waters that that were your guard became the Egyptians' grave? That was God who delivered you, not yourself. 
and he helps them rehearse the faithfulness of God. He says, remember all these things. Remember the land I've given you, the nations that I've conquered. He's literally saying, you need to take some time to remember what I've done so that when you choose, you're not choosing because you have to, but because you get to. He says, not only do you want to choose the direction you live, but look at this, you ought to choose out of gratitude for all that I've done in your life. Hey, it's Thanksgiving week. We ought to pause to give thanks to God, right? And let me just remind you of one thing. Romans 12:1 says, in view of God's mercy, we give our lives fully to him. Here's what it's saying. I don't give my life to God because I think it's a good idea. I give my life to God because once I look at the cross and what God did for me by shedding his blood on the cross, it creates a grateful response from me, right? How many know we are Christians, not because we are good, but because we have a gracious Savior, right? And he says, you ought to choose out of grateful response, not because you have to, but because you get to. And, and be careful to remind yourself of what I did, delivering you from Egypt and calling you out of the land and, and leading you into a new place. And he's calling them by uh, calling them to remember his work. And he gathers them at this place called Shechem. And this would be a place where Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob all had encounters with God. Genesis 12, 7, Abraham gathered, or Abram at that point, at Shechem and built an altar to the Lord. It was at Shechem that Jacob destroyed his gods. It was at Shechem that God revealed himself to Isaac. So he's drawing him back to the place where their forefathers had met with God. And he's helping them remember this. In order to make a recommitment to God, we must first remember the work of our saving God. And so I just, I just, I don't know, I felt like Thanksgiving week, I should remind us that he saved us because of Jesus. And that creates a grateful choice out of our life, not because of something we have done, but because of something he has done. And over and over again, he tells them, remember, 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 I saved you, I delivered you, I gave you hope and a future. In fact, he says, not only did I save you and deliver you, but I want to remind you that I, I'm the one who gave you the land and the land I gave you, I love these words, you didn't toil. Uh, the cities you, you live in, what? You didn't build them. And you live in them and you eat from vineyards that guess what? You didn't plant. You say, no, pastor, I built my business. No, you didn't. The only way you had uh, uh, four chambers of your heart pumping was because God kept it. The only way you have uh, 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 oxygen in your lungs is because God, God... How many know everything we have is a gift from the Lord, right? James says every good and perfect gift is from the Lord. And I'm here to remind us Thanksgiving week that everything we've accomplished, not only our salvation, but what we have today is because of God's good gift, right? And if we're not careful, we tend to think, no, I'm smart, I accomplish it. And here's what Joshua's reminding the people, be so careful that after you don't end up in the land of promise, that you don't start thinking by my own uh, ingenuity, creativity, skill, I made all this. No, 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 everything you have is a gift from God, right? I'm sort of proud of my 14-year-old son, but it's sort of a lot of work because this summer he decided to open a lawn care business on Facebook Marketplace. And he doesn't know how to do lawns that well. <laughs> so he had to buy all the gear and he has no transportation. And so he accepts these jobs and we drive in them there and he burns out these weed eaters and I keep buying the supplies. I'm like, how does this work? And he's like, well, I've got $2,000 in my account. Well, I've bought a lot of stuff then. <laughs> and so he, <laughs> he learned this fall that the real money is in leaf removal. 
Anybody want to guess what I've been doing on Saturdays? He got a big job he bid this week, $240. He said, it's going to be great. Friday night, he came home and said, Dad, it's a lot of leaves. And I said, that's okay, $240 is a lot. And he said, I, do you want to spend time together tomorrow? I said, not really. Uh, so I showed up with the leaf floor and the rakes, and man, I saw it, and I thought, this is a lot. So like an hour and a half in, I go, this is a lot of leaves. We should have over, this was not even right. And so I knew one of the guys in our church had not only a leaf blower, but he had one of those ones that rolls and it's like high, it's, I don't know if you know, there's a roller one that like super, I said, we need to go get that one. So we went to his house and he said, no. He said, what are you doing? I said, well, we got this leaf job. Really, Carter's got this leaf job. And so can we borrow this? And he said, what if I help you? And I said, that would be amazing. So he got his son and a leaf blower and a second leaf blower, third leaf blower, where they're working this yard. And uh, at the end of the job, I said, man, we'll split the amount with you. And he said, no, I'll just, it's fine for your son. It's good. And so my son, the, the, the homeowner had left the check in the grill because she was gone. So he opened up a $230 check, right? And he started waving it around. And he said, look what I made today. What do you mean what you made today? And he went home to his brother and sister and said, you work hourly jobs, but I have a company. And he starts waving a check, $230. And I said, you didn't earn anything. You don't own equipment. You don't have friends. You think the friend in the church would have helped you out? He didn't help you out. He doesn't care. He... I'm not even going to let you keep that money. What do you mean, $230? I'm, I'm waving her. No, 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 you didn't. You didn't have the leaf blower. You would have died. It would have taken you three months into February. You would have died compost rotting in the middle of that home. I mean, that was a huge... You would have never in your life... You would... Impossible. You'd be 43 years old, still raking. You better not forget that somebody else had a leaf blower. Somebody else had a friend. Somebody else drove in. Somebody else is sweating. Somebody else has to preach tomorrow, and I'm tired from raking and leaves and you have all the money. What am I doing? And I'm here to remind us today. Some of us think we put some things and accomplish some things. What do you have? First Corinthians four, seven, that you did not receive every good and perfect gift is from above. And Joshua warns the people, Oh, be careful that once I gave you the land, land, you didn't work for and cities. You didn't build and you're eating from olive groves that you didn't plant, that you don't stand there in pride and say, I've accomplished this. Hey, it's Thanksgiving week. Some of us need to count our blessings and be reminded that even what we accomplished, we only accomplished with what God gave us. And he deserves praise. We choose not only out of gratitude, we choose in light of the fact that God has been faithful, right? And he's been true and solid and steady. And God tells his people, you're about to make, Joshua says, you're about to make a big decision. But you need to remember how I conquered the nations. And then you need to remember that you're living in the blessings that you don't deserve. Man, isn't there something about Thanksgiving just pausing and saying, how good is God, right? How faithful is he? I mean, how, how, how kind is he? How gracious is he? In fact, Joshua wants to get this through their heads so bad that he literally gets a large stone and he sets it under an oak tree and, he, and he, he's trying to set up a place for, their, for them to remember what God has done. What kind of stone does he set up? Come on, a, a large. He's like, I don't want anybody to forget, okay? 
This is a big stone. In fact, you notice if you read a few different translations that this word holy place is a strange word. What do you mean under an oak tree near a holy place? This isn't the temple or the tabernacle. In fact, authors, um, Bible translators struggle to translate it. Let me show you, this is the NIV. Let me show you it in the New Living. As a reminder of their agreement, they took a what? Come on, a, a huge stone and rolled it beneath the Teremoth tree beside the what? The tabernacle of the Lord. So the holy place, tabernacle. Here's what the ESV says. They took a large stone and set it up under the Teremoth that was by the sanctuary. So they don't even know what to call this place. But here's what it is. I want to set you the picture. Joshua is making a place for the people to give a new covenant, to recommit their covenant to God. And as he does it, he pulls a big stone under a tree. And literally what he says is this commonplace is now a holy place. Man, I think we all need common places in our life that become holy places, don't we? I mean, I'm thankful for church, but, but I think we all need a place in our home that's a common place that we set apart as a holy place, right? Where we pray and worship. We all need a place uh, in nature that we can set aside and see the faithfulness of God and make it a holy place. The translation of this word sanctuary or holy place literally means in Hebrew a chapel or a hallowed area, a holy place. He's trying to say that they set a place apart where they could meet with God. And man, do we need this in the holiday season. Just places and spaces and times where we regularly pull aside and set apart to, to connect with God. For me, it's my back deck, so this time of year is tough, right? But there's something about opening up the sliding door, going out, closing the door, lighting a candle on my back deck and just making a space to, to meet with God. There's something about, a, about a nature, something about being outside for me. I don't know, something about looking at trees that makes me feel connected to my creator. I don't care where it is, you know, but just finding a place and a space where we can create a connection with God. And this is what, what Joshua says. He pulls the people aside and he helps them connect with God at this place, the place of Shechem. And let me just show you this place, Shechem, in Jacob's life was used when Jacob came to the place of Shechem and literally got rid of all the foreign gods he had with, he had with him. And he purified himself and changed his clothes. This is the same place that Joshua leads the people to now, Shechem where they're gonna where they're gonna make commitments in their heart, where they're gonna choose to take some things out of their heart. They're gonna choose to make a sincere, faithful commitment with their heart to the Lord. In fact, you'll see, we don't have time to look at it, that throughout Joshua 24, Joshua keeps saying, are you gonna decide? And they say, yes, we're gonna decide. And then he says, are you gonna decide? And they say, yes, we're And he keeps kind of asking them to make sure, you know what I mean? Are you sure? Are you sure? Are you sure, nation of Israel, that you're gonna follow through with this? And, in fact, he so wants to get it through their hearts that he says, I'm gonna set up this large stone and it's gonna be a witness against all of us. That this stone heard all the words the Lord had said to us. It's a witness against, against us if you're untrue to your God. So he sets up a huge stone and he's like, if you don't follow through on this, you're gonna walk by it all the time and you're gonna remember you didn't do what you said you were gonna do. You know, it's a, it's, This is why he picks a big stone. <laughs> He's like, I want it to be, you can't even avoid it. Like you, every time you come on somebody, it's the elliptical machine in your bedroom, right? You're like, I'm walking by that. And that thing's preaching to me. And I, I got a Peloton, but I still don't use it. You know who you are. We'll have a prayer time after. 
It's a, it's a picture of a commitment that people made. And God says to them, I want you to remind yourself, set up a memorial, a large, a large rock that's gonna, that's gonna preach to you. He gives it um, personification. It's not really gonna speak, but the idea is when they see it, they'll be reminded of the commitment they made. It's literally, here it is. They're, they're gonna choose a large and listening rock, okay? That they're gonna be reminded of the, the commitment that they made to the Lord by this physical uh, stone that they set up. I was gonna do a whole Bible study this weekend on stones throughout the book of Joshua because there's a ton of symbolism of rocks. So I thought I would just show it to you. Take a look. Stones in the midst of the Jordan. Stones on the west bank of the Jordan. Stones in the valley of Achor, Ai, Ebal, Ebal, Makeda, Transjordanic tribes, and then here. So throughout here, here's what I'm saying. Throughout the book of Joshua, they regularly set aside remembrance, remembrances, right? We still do this today with, with statues, Liberty Bell, right? Like we set aside certain things that have symbolism to us, right? Meaning. I've got my I've got my my father's Bible, my grandfather's flag, right? Things in our life that just mean a lot to us. And this is what Joshua is doing. He's saying, set aside some things that are important so you can be reminded of the commitment you made to me. And, and let there be a large and a listening rock to remind you that over and over again, you made the commitment. You made the commitment and you're to do this, Joshua says, wherever the holy place is, is where you choose to pause and make that commitment. That place is the holy place. You see, I think, friends, sometimes we think we have to go to a holy place, right? We have to go to a sacred place. How many know a sacred place is wherever we gather to meet with God? Anybody believe that, right? In fact, you know, in the, in the ancient world, you needed the tabernacle or the temple. But Paul came along in 1 Corinthians 6, and he said, you don't actually have to go to a temple to worship God. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit, right? How many know we are the church, right? Wherever we go, right? And I know there's something special about having a gathering place. I get that. But there's still a reminder to us that even in the middle of our busyness, wherever we go, God goes with us. And wherever we pause to make a commitment to him, that place is sacred. That's the chapel. That's the holy place. That's the tabernacle. That's the, that's the sacred ground set apart to the worship of him. And that's what Joshua is essentially saying here. We're going to make a recommitment. We're going to commit. And then we're going to make a recommitment. Yeah, a recommitment that everything we have belongs to the Lord. And Joshua ends it by saying this, listen, I'm gonna give you a challenge, but I want you to know I'm going first. As for me and my house, we will what? Come on, we will we'll serve the Lord. I got to thinking this week about the first time I really wholeheartedly gave my heart to God. I was 16 years old. Katie will tell you, we just uh, had started dating and God got a hold of my heart one summer and I went all in with God. I mean, like a, like a wild man, you know. I mean, I challenged our school on the first day of school. I witnessed on the street in bad neighborhoods, got in trouble with other parents, friends for taking their kids in bad neighborhoods. I, did, I didn't know what I was doing, but I was doing something, you know. You know, I thought to myself this question this week. I said, Brandon, do you still love Jesus the same way you did when you were 16, when you were listening to Carmen, come on, somebody. If you know, you know. If you don't, God bless you. You're probably blessed, but if you know, you know. 
Like, do you still have that same wholehearted commitment? And I thought to myself, I just thought of some of the stones of some of the things God did in my life. Some of the things when I went on a missions trip that God sealed in my heart. Some of the first sense of calling in my life. And I'd worship and pray and share my, I just share. And you know what I realized? I'd just share my faith more often in random places when I was a teenager and a 20-something. Just wherever I was, I would look for an opportunity. And you know what? I've resolved this in my heart, to be a person who just looks for opportunities to share my faith. Like, I mean, I can do it here, but how many know it's different to do it every day, just in the in and outs of life, and just look for opportunities to share. Here, here's what I'm saying. The common place can be a holy place. And it's a place of commitment. It's a place where Joshua says, all the nations around you are wavering and wandering and scattering and deciding different things. But the people of God are a people who say, as for me and my house, we will what? Come on, we will serve the Lord. We'll serve the Lord. I just felt like at the end of this series forward that I wanted to make that challenge. Because it's easier to occupy the land than it is to purify our own hearts. And we need to pause from time to time and say, God, have the gods of this world, the, the, the little G gods around me, have they crept into my soul, into my mind, into my heart in ways that surprise me? Let me tell you one way the God of this world has crept into my heart and life. We got rid of cable a couple months ago, and so we have a new streaming service. And I realize I haven't watched commercials for like 15 years. And so for the first time in like 15 years, I'm watching commercials. And Katie found a little note sheet near the bed, and she said, "What are these? Uh, what are these things written on this note sheet?" They said, "Oh, they're." I said, "They're products we should buy." <laughs> she said, "What do you mean the My Pillow slippers?" I said, "Well," <laughs> she said, "You mean the My Pillow guy has slippers?" I said, "Yeah." I said, "But they're not really slippers. They're. It's really a patented technology. <laughs> it's a four-layer patented technology, and." And it has, you know, there's a middle gel level that's designed to preserve my spine. Do you want me to be able to walk when I'm old? Or do you want me to lean forward? So you got to decide. These, are pat these aren't slippers. These are patented technology. She said, they're $49. I said, that's a steal. Because with the customer code, they should cost $89. And she said, wait a second. Are these all from commercials? And I said, not commercials. It's more just me investigating different products. And she said... You can't watch TV alone anymore. Come on. I haven't bought anything in years, and all of a sudden I'm watching the commercial, and I go, that looks really good. Man, I'm looking around, getting the kids in here. Kids, you know, like, so we take, you know what I mean? And I just realized, I, I didn't, I, if you would have told me I was susceptible to commercials, I would have said, absolutely not. But I real, you know what a commercial is? It's designed to take the dissatisfaction in our soul and create an I need this, right? How many have got a closet full of things you shouldn't have, right? Like things that you were, were awesome at one moment, you don't care about them now, right? And I know it's a little thing, and if you have the my pillow slippers, that's fine. Or if you feel led to get me them, that's fine too. But I'm just saying this: the little gods of this world say, if you just get this, then that'll meet. If you just find this, if you just have this relationship, you just get this much money, you just get this much success, you just get this this pro then somehow you'll have all the joy in the world. And all those gods promise what they can't fulfill, and they're little gods that we stuff our soul so full of small things that there's no room for a great God. And Joshua steps on the scene with the people, and he says, "I'm asking you to throw away the gods of the nations around you, and I'm asking you to fully wholeheartedly." 
wholeheartedly, faithfully serve the Lord your God as for me and my house. I wonder if there's anybody here today that would say, as for me and my house, we will, come on, serve the Lord, right? Like we're just making that decision. And we, we know the rock. We're, we're putting the rock there. It's listening and looking. We're declaring. We're reminding ourselves everything we have is from him. And we're going all in to follow faithfully and honor him with all of our hearts. I'm going to pray for us, and then I'm going to turn it over to Scott's edition today. Would you bow with me? If you're here this weekend and you maybe aren't even sure where you are in your own relationship with God, I'd love to pray for you today. And I won't embarrass you or make you get out of your seat or anything like that, but... If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I'm not sure where I am in my own relationship with God. Maybe you used to walk with him or walked away from it. And today you say, just pray for me. Nobody's looking around. Midlothian, Scott's edition in the jail. You just lift your hand up and say, pray for me today, Pastor. I need to get my heart right with God. And then you can put it right back down. Pastor, yes, thank you so much. Anybody else? Yes, thank you. Anybody else? Yep, thank you. Anybody else? Yes, thank you, young lady. Awesome. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. One more time. Not to be emotional, just giving God a chance to get at any of our hearts today. Say, Pastor, I'm not sure where I'm at in my relationship with God. Would you pray for me today? I want to go all in with Jesus. You just lift your hand up, put it right back down one last time. Right where you're seated, you just pray a prayer that goes like this. God, I know I'm a... I'm not a perfect person. I know I've sinned and fallen short of your standard. But today I've heard that I need to make a choice. And so today I make a choice. I'm done dividing my loyalties. I believe you died on a cross and rose from the dead to take away my sin and shame and give me a new start. So today I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead. Would you save me today? You said if I'd confess your name that you'd call me a child of yours. So come into my life completely. Take away all my wrongs. God, give me your righteousness. And by your grace, give me the strength to serve you, to follow you, to faithfully all the way make my life yours. Thank you for rescuing me. For we pray it in Jesus' name.